you know, the, the glory of God, which we celebrate, was never more manifest and on display than when He pursued us and pursues us to this day. Father, we pray that we would see the glorious pursuit that You that You press towards us. Father, forgive us for all the drama that we allow into our lives which just eclipses that, which buries it beneath unimportant, insignificant stuff. Father, we want to sense Your pursuit and we want to pursue You back. So Father, as we meet together this morning to celebrate the work that You have in our midst, Lord, I pray that we would celebrate that work of Your pursuit. In Jesus' name, Amen. Good morning, everyone. That was great. Thank you for saying it back. It wasn't, I didn't intend it to be rhetorical. Every year around this time, I always wrestle with this question, what is it that matters most to God and to me? What is it that really gets me up in the morning? What is it that God is on God's heart for me as I rise up every morning? What is it? What is that one most important thing? And it's this. It is the pursuit of God for my life and the mission that He has given to me to manifest that pursuit for others with the heart of God, which I often fail at. But it gets me up every morning because every morning is a new day, right? For 131 years, there has been one image that has served as a metaphor for the mission, this mission of this church. And it is in Exodus 15.27. For those of you who have been around here a long time, you understand this. But for those of you who are newer here, this may be news. Israel had been pursued by God in very subtle ways for 460 years. He was blessing them. He was pursuing them. He was preparing them for their future. Moses comes onto the scene and Moses goes to God goes to Moses and says, You're the man. You're the man. You're the one that gets to lead this people that I have pursued for so many years. You're going to lead them into the promised land. So he reluctantly is coerced and agrees, and he enters into the, into the ministry of his Lord God, Yahweh. You know the drama. It's not like it was in the movie Exodus, Gods and Kings. That wasn't it. If you, that's not a, a representation of what took place. That's fiction. That made all of the miracles of Exodus seem easy to believe, comparatively. But they go through the, the, the Red Sea and God delivers them multiple times and they come to a place called Marah. It's called a place, it's called Mar because it had bitter waters to it. And the people started rising up and complaining to God. And God says, okay, I'll make them sweet. And then He leads them to another place, an oasis. In Exodus 15.27, it says, then they came to Elam. Sound familiar? 
They came to Elam where there were twelve wells of water and seventy palm trees. And they camped there by that water. Elam was an oasis in the desert and for 131 years throughout the history of this church, since 1884, this has served as a metaphor of what God has done for us. What God welcomes us into. What He calls us into. This oasis in the middle of the desert of humanity. He says this is going to be a place where my presence dwells. This will be a community of people among whom my presence dwells. So 21 years ago, 20 years ago, we sat and we came up with this mission statement just to try to capture what it is that God has called this group of people to become by His grace and through the Gospel. And we came up with this, and that is it's an oasis for renewal with God and with one another. An oasis for renewal with God and one another. And throughout the years, I've always had to go, and people will, well, they'll, they'll, they'll experience this sense of oasis, but they won't be able to put words to it in terms of just exactly what it, what it means. So what does oasis mean? Oasis for renewal with God and one another. What does that mean? This means that we are called as a community of people. That's you and me. That's Mark and Lori. That's Mary and John. That's Matt. That's Rich. That's Steve. That's all of us. That we would be a community of people who are catalysts. That means that something happens as a result of our being here. That something happens as a result of what God is doing in us. Something happens to someone else. That we would be catalysts. Living, breathing examples. Voices for grace and for hope. And life-changing redemption through the Gospel of Jesus Christ. That we would live that out. That we would experience it personally. And then we would go and we would live that out. If Jesus were putting this in New Testament terms, He happened to. He says, He would say this, that we are the Kingdom of God among humanity where everyone has the opportunity to experience God's redemptive work of grace and of hope. That we would be an oasis for renewal Life change. Not through moralism, not through effort, not through expectations, but through the working of the Gospel of Jesus Christ that happens from the inside out. That's what it is. This, folks, is what is compelling to me. This is a mission that gets me excited. This is a calling that is upon my life. This is a calling that is upon this community. That we would reflect God's passionate and furious heart and pursuit for the lost and the rebellious people that live all around us in this desert of humanity. That for me, folks, is compelling. 
Jesus put this on full display in one of my favorite passages in Luke 15. Luke 15.1, we read, Now the tax collectors, they were the traitors of the people of God. The tax collectors and the sinners, the harmartaloi, those from all backgrounds, those who were petty thieves and those who were horrendous murderers. People from all backgrounds. The tax collectors and sinners were all continuously gathering around to hear Jesus. These were people who were, who were Jews by birth. These were people who were raised within the shadow of the religious establishment. And for whatever reasons, at some point in their life, They walked out. They said, I want nothing to do with this religious establishment. I want nothing to do with this God which they are representing. I want nothing to do with it. For whatever reason. It could be that they just wanted to go and sow their wild oats. It could be that they just wanted to say they had a bad experience. Whatever it may be, they said, I want nothing to do with it. And they walked away. And when they walked away, They forfeited their rights to be part of the brotherhood, the sisterhood, this community of God. The community of the redeemed. They chose their sin, their adultery, their embezzlement, their adultery, their fornication. They chose all of that and they walked away. And as a result of that, they were shut out by the religious establishment. They were shut out. They were called unclean. They were said, you are not worthy. You are not fit for for God to be a part of God's people. And they seem to be okay with that. It doesn't mean that what they were doing was taking taking care and filling the hole in their own souls. But what it meant was that what they had found and what they had walked away with wasn't going to either. But suddenly, Jesus comes onto the scene and all of these folks start just kind of being attracted to Him. There was something about Jesus that they liked. And they kept gathering around Him. And they kept following. It's like some of them became groupies. And then some of them, Jesus went over to and says, hey, you come and follow Me. He went and He pursued them. And then they went and found their friends and said, come, come and find, listen to this, this new rabbi. Listen to Jesus. There's something really, really different about Him. And I don't know what it is, but it's compelling to me. It's compelling. They gathered around Jesus. And as Jesus lived out this full display of the pursuit of all humanity, this mission of His became very, very conflicting all this was happening in verse 2, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were muttering. They were watching. They were muttering these, these contemptuous words, grumbling underneath their breath. And they were saying this, this man welcomes. He has a sense of goodwill toward them. This man welcomes these sinners. And not only that, but he'll actually go to their house and he'll eat with them. He'll talk with them. Doesn't he know that he's not supposed to do that? (laughs) 
But they walked away. And we now keep them away. Jesus was saying and doing things that just breaks all the rules. You ever wonder what He was saying to them? What He was talking with them about? Uh, they were probably telling jokes. Probably clean ones because they knew He was religious and they knew that He was a rabbi. I was having my motorcycle worked on by a friend of Steve Weller's. Kind of a rough guy. and No, not kind of. He was. And uh, we were sitting there talking and by the second or third meeting, and he said, so what do you do for a living? I thought, I knew that was coming. He says, well, I'm a pastor. He says, oh, you're Steve's pastor. I says, yeah. Oh, man. I guess I should have cleaned up my language. I said, Larry, it doesn't, it's not my issue. It's not my issue. That's just a symptom. That's not his problem. It's not his problem. But they were probably laughing and swapping stories and speaking life. And... But I think that Jesus, as He spoke to them, in fact, we have records of it, where He would at some point in the conversation say the Kingdom of God is among you. And you're welcomed into it. The Kingdom of God is at hand. And you're welcomed into it. And never have anybody said this to these folks. Never had they said that. What he's saying, he's saying was this. He's saying there's hope. <laughs> that God is breaking into human history. And He is offering, He is bringing about a new beginning. Much like in Mark 1.1 where it says, and this is the beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. That wasn't a chronological beginning. It was a metaphor of a whole new beginning echoing back to Genesis 1.1. It says there can be a new start. There can be change. That was a metaphor that, that guided and just infused all of Jesus' life and ministry was that there is a new beginning. There is a new beginning. These new beginnings, they start with a journey. I had a guy, Brian Wapel, we were sitting in our community group and he said this, he said, we're sharing his, he was sharing his conversion. And he said, I guess I decided to join Jesus in his life. I thought, you just nailed it. So often we invite Jesus into our lives. But Jesus says, I want to invite you into my life. I want to invite you into my life. New beginnings start with a journey where we join Him in His life. And by joining Him in His new life, this begins a life-changing, life-transforming work where He forms within us a new heart and a new life. And we focus on becoming passionate disciples of Jesus Christ. This oasis has an end game to it to develop passionate followers of Jesus. And see, the, what Martin's talking about is that as an oasis, as the, an oasis, we will we'll create an environment where discipleship can happen. Where people can seek to be passionate followers of Jesus Christ. See, that's our vision. Our, our mission is to, is to be an oasis for renewal with God and one another. 
which creates the environment where our vision can happen. And that is, as an oasis, as a community of faith, we will nurture passionate followers of Jesus Christ. And, and, and that's really how we define a disciple. A disciple is a passionate follower of Jesus Christ. So our mission creates the environment. Our vision creates the laser focus. This is what we're about. Elam is about making disciples. What is a disciple? A passionate follower of Jesus Christ. Which leads to our our process. And our process starts because we know all of us are in process. And we will finish this process when we meet Jesus. But our process starts with knowing God. And knowing God... That's a supernatural introduction. God has to work in someone's life to be introduced to God. But we we create we play a role in that. We share Jesus by the way that we live. But our first stage in the process is knowing God. Philippians three eight says, "What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord." For whose sake I've lost all things, I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. Paul's pursuit was this intimate knowledge of God. And so uh, the, the process starts with someone who comes from, goes from being an enemy of God to a friend of God. From someone who doesn't know God to someone who knows God. And their pursuit for the rest of their life is to know God. But it's not just to know God. The second part is that we would grow together in Christ. And this is where we start to engage the community of faith. And we invite others in intentional relationships into our lives. It's the whole imagery of, of Paul and Timothy in Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians 4.17. 1 Corinthians 4.17 says, For this reason I am sending you Timothy, my son whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere and every church. Paul invested in Timothy. Timothy listened. And Timothy now is taking what Paul said to the, to the Corinthians. And it's an intentional relationship where they are growing together in Christ Jesus. They're still seeking to know God, but now they're growing and they're inviting other people into this intentional process. But it's not just staying there because it's not about an internal pursuit. The last stage of our process is that we would go and serve South Hill and beyond. Now, go go is in reference to Christ's command to go go in all the earth, making disciples in Matthew 28-19, the Great Commission. We are all commanded as followers of Jesus Christ to go and do what? Make disciples. What is a disciple? A passionate follower of Jesus. Someone who knows God, who's growing together in Christ and now is going and passing on what they know. But it's not just going, it's serving. And this is the idea uh, that is found in Matthew 20, 28, where Jesus says, I didn't just come to serve. I didn't come to serve. I came, I didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom. Jesus, God the Son, said, I came to this earth Not to be served, but to serve. So our process, we start with knowing God. We grow together in Christ. We go and serve. And it's a heart of service for others that my life may be given away as a ransom. It's not about me. 
It's about me reflecting Christ to others. That as I know Him and as I grow together with others, I go and serve. Our vision as an oasis, as a community of faith, we will nurture passionate followers of Jesus Christ who know God, grow together in Christ, go and serve South Hill and beyond. Now, the, the problem that we have is you can't measure transformation. We can't measure what God does in our hearts. And so uh, in order for us to kind of say, okay, what are some practices that, that, that a disciple does in order for th- us to just kind of see what, some results of what God's doing? And, and the first thing, first practice is that, that they study Scripture, that when someone gets introduced to God and they know God, they need to study the Word of God. So they can grow in a loving relationship with God. As someone grows together in Christ, they're, they're studying Scripture. They're, they're studying so that they can know more about Jesus and His love for us. As we go and serve, we, we are sharing Scripture with others in the way that we live. So the first practice that a disciple partakes in is studying Scripture. The second is prayerful dependence. Everything I do, I give to God. I'm going to depend on Him and invite Him into every situation. And as we know God, grow together in Christ, go and serve South Hill and beyond, we are going to be prayerfully dependent no matter what stage we are at in the process. The third is that we will love extravagantly. God will change the way that we interact with others. That we will start to see others as He sees them. And we'll start to love them, our enemies, our friends, our family. It'll change and we will love as Jesus loves. We will love extravagantly. Think of the love that He's given us. How extravagantly He has loved us. How He's lavished us with love. And that's what He's called us to do. So as we grow from stage to stage, our love for others should be growing as well. And last is life is worship. Everything we do should be an act of worship. Everything we do should be out of an act of worship to God. That my life would be poured out as a drink offering to Him. Those are the practices. So we have this mission. We are an oasis for renewal with God and one another which creates the environment for, for our vision to happen. As an oasis, as a community of faith, we will nurture passionate followers of Jesus Christ. What is a disciple? It's a passionate follower of Jesus Christ. We'll be about discipleship who know God, grow together in Christ, go and serve South Hill and beyond. You're going to hear a lot about this. We're going we're gonna to talk a lot about this because this is where we're headed. This is where God focused His church. This is what Jesus did while He was on the earth. This is where we're headed, but it's not just where we're headed. It's where we've already been. And we've got story after story after story that we could tell you of of how we have been an oasis. How people have uh, been been nurtured to be a passionate follower of Jesus who know God, grow together in Christ, go and serve South and beyond. It's not just where we're going, it's where we've been. Watch this video with me. A lot of time, the new people, I'll say, how did you, how did you come here? How did you find it? Brian went to school one day, 
and Edie was his teacher, and she mentioned they were having some get-together or something, I don't even know what, and he came home and said, oh, what do you think, should we go up there and try it out? And I said, I don't know, whatever you want. So we came and we've never left. So yeah, a buddy of mine uh, told me about Elam. He had heard uh, good things, had attended here a couple times, and knew some people here, so. A few years ago, I was looking for a mops group, and I joined the Elam Mops group, and then just felt this urge to, to find community. So I thought, well, I'll just start going on Sundays, too. Uh, we've been with Elam about three years and, and three months now. I was having a difficult time in life. One day I just cried out to, cried out to Jesus for his help. I, I decided that I wanted to get closer to God. You know, I told Lori I'd like to, to go to church, and she had talked to somebody about churches in the area and, and she mentioned Elam. We came to Elam in 1995 and um, we moved from California because Larry's job brought us here. I came to Elam in the late 1990s with my family. Just it was very welcoming to be here. Um, everybody learned our name really quickly. The next week we came back and addressed us by name and it just felt like home right away. There's just incredible authenticity here. I feel like it's a safe place to kind of be yourself and not, you don't have to put on airs. Um, you know, you can fall down every once in a while, people will gather around you and pick you up. It is a place of renewal and it's a, it is an oasis. I mean, it's exactly what the motto says, that you can come with your brokenness, you can come with your wholeness, you can come with whatever you have, and it's a place of acceptance, of love, of growth and challenge. You know, coming to Elam, it was a... Truly, Elam's mission, it was you know, a safe haven for me. It felt really safe from the first Sunday um, meeting with Stan, uh, pretty much right off the bat jumping into a discipleship group and getting started there and really plugging into a group of guys uh, to help me through a real rough spot in life. So, Elam has helped me grow um, through definitely realizing that my backstage is okay to share with other people and that other people have backstages as well. All that junk in the past, in your history, in your... Every, everyday life, the stuff that people don't necessarily see, and it's, it's really nothing you need to be ashamed of. Coming with my backstage stuff has not been as scary as I thought it would be, because I think that everybody here is open with their backstage. They're open with that we're all not perfect, we all need redemption, we all need God. And I guess before Elam, I, I didn't really think I needed a, a, a church home or kind of tried to do it on my own. And I realized that it's missing out on just the, the family that, that we are here. And so I think for me, most of the growth I've experienced has been in smaller group settings, community groups, accountability groups, just with, with just like two or three guys. So got a great group of guys around me to dive into the Word uh, on a weekly and every other week basis. I agree with the small groups um, and even one-on-one -on -one, most for me, like accountability. I've got a lot more excited about the Word of God since I've been here. I feel like um, just because of the opportunity to teach it and because of Martin's teaching, I'm always seeing something new. I love how the stuff that we're studying in that group uh, how the interwovenness, uh, you see God moving and working uh, through the messages of this that uh, Martin's delivering. I'm convinced that um, the only way as believers we can really grow is by 
exercising our spiritual gifts and trying to serve other people. I think a lot of people come to church and they kind of expect to be served and they expect to have their needs met and um, and hope, hopefully their needs are met, but in reality they, they may not feel like their needs are being met because um, the real way that God meets our needs is uh, when we start behaving like he does, when we start expressing his love to other people and when we start practicing the one another's of scripture. The other ministries I've been involved in are just starting the small group this year, which um, I think will be even bigger step into being me bravely and, and developing on uh, what I've already learned in moms. And uh, also in, in Awana, you know, that they, they can uh, memorize all the uh, books of the Bible, all their, their verses. So that, that encourages me to do it because if they can do it, then why can't I? And so now I am a leader help with junior high I wanted to pour into others because I was poured into and so that's helped me grow because it's just kind of helped me see uh, where my faults are if you're trying to teach kids something then you yourself have to you have to follow what you're teaching I want to help me grow spiritually uh, just helping uh, the, the children understand I, I could see that the hunger of my own children wanting to learn more about God um, FPU, Central Peace University, has been really great. Uh, took the class and then was able to help out uh, a little bit with kind of co-leading. So it's been a real <clears throat> great um, kind of ministry to be involved in. So in, in addition to the focus on biblical truth and, and the, the supreme importance of God's word here and interpreting it rightly, um, there's also great importance on relationship with him. And which, which also means horizontal relationship with each other and, and authentic relationships with each other. So um, I think it's a place where people can expect to experience that. If they're willing to invest in it, if they're willing to give into it, then, then they, they can expect to get out of it. You know, when you watch something like that, you could think, well, you know, we're just kind of raising our own flag and saluting it and just saying, yay God for Elam. But I, I want to tell you that none of the product, none of the outcomes that you heard or the experiences that you heard people sharing there um, is no one is able to produce that within the life of another person. What you see there is testimony of God's work in our midst. God changing people's lives. I've spent, I've been in the year ministry almost 30 years. And the first 20 of those, I spent trying to change people's lives. And I realized at one point, I can't. You can't. But what we are is we are catalysts. Catalysts that God uses in the life of another person to advance the work of the gospel in their lives. For many of you, you have been here for 20 plus years. Some of you have been here longer than I have. And so this is nothing new. But I want to go back and I want to ask you this question for those of you who are the longer termers. Are you a passionate follower of Jesus? Is there still that spark within you? Is there still that pursuit within you? 
Or has it been taken over by a sense of mediocrity, a sense of sameness, a sense of, um, you know, that's, that's for, for other people. I'm just kind of going through the motions here. Or I'm still participating, but you know what? There's really not much passion, much fire in my life anymore. To you, I want to say, please repent. You know, for the, for the church at, at Ephesus in Revelation, he says, you know what? He says, you guys are doing a lot of good things, but you've got this thing, and that is you've lost your love for me. And so you've fallen into this stale, stagnant religion, much like the Pharisees and the teachers had fallen into in Luke 15. And there's no life there. There's nothing there. And the Gospel cries out. Jesus pursues you and says, please, I am pursuing you. Pursue me back. Pursue me back. And maybe you have forgotten about what it's like to begin to invest in another person's life because you haven't done it for so long. Oh, you've done that in the past. You've served in this way or done that. But I want to say, go back and put all the programs aside and ask yourself this question, who am I pouring into? I don't care how you do it. I don't care where you do it. But God has given you the grace and the Gospel in the broken vessel of your life. And we put that on display for all to see. And we put that on display for others to come and to participate in so that you can be catalytic in their lives through the Gospel. That is your mission. That must get you up in the morning. If it doesn't get you up in the morning, something's broken within you. You've lost it. And Jesus says, reclaim that first love. Reclaim that first love. I want to call all of us, it doesn't matter how long you've been here, to pursue that. To allow God, to invite God to help you be aware of all the ways in which He is pursuing you so that you can respond. Get rid of all the drama in your life, all the stuff that would, that would come and would, would dull that pursuit would help you to hide from that pursuit and put that all away and say, God, I just it's just you and me. I want to pursue you. I know you're pursuing me. Let's return and let's do this. Become a passionate follower of Jesus Christ. And then if you've been a believer for a while, I want to tell you that that's what you, uh, that's what you pass on. I love Nate's testimony where he says, I'm now pouring into others. I remember Nate when he was this tall. And it's really cool to see that he is now pouring into the lives of others, not because he's got some religion that he wants to pass on, but because he's, he's grown and he knows God and he continues to know Him, but he's excited by, by that. He says, I want to go and I want to invest in other people. When God gets a hold of your life, you can't help but want to do that. If you don't want to do that, you've got to ask the question, does God have a hold of your life? We are catalysts for the mission of Jesus Christ to go and to make disciples, embodying His heart that He demonstrated in Luke 15. Amen? Father, may You take these words, 
And Lord, may you drill them down deep within us. Father, may it ignite a fire where there wasn't. Father, may it bring about repentance where maybe we have strayed away from that. Father, keep us laser focused on this because it's all about the Gospel work within our lives. Father, I invite You to turn everything upside down. Everything that needs to be righted, Father, I invite You to turn and do that work in our midst so that we never become just a church on a corner that's just doing some religious thing. But Father, we want to embody the heart of Jesus. And we want to offer that to others in the same way that Jesus offered it to those who are around Him. Father, but do that work first in us where it needs to be done at greater and greater depth so that we have something authentic, something real to offer others so that Your Gospel will change us from the inside out. In Jesus' name, Amen.